So this morning I was reminded of the story of the uh, wife that came into the bedroom and um, and she uh, told her husband, sweetie, get up, get ready. We're going to church. And he said, I don't want to go. Um, and I'll give you three reasons why. It's gloomy outside. Uh, those people are not very nice sometimes and they're hypocritical. And she looked at her husband and she said, well, you're going and let me give you three reasons, three reasons why. It's Sunday, the Lord's Day. It's important to our family and you are the pastor. So get up. I didn't feel that way this morning, I want you to know, because uh, today's a special day in the life of our church, what we call homecoming and kickoff Sunday. Today we are moving our children up to the next grade levels, we're, we're gearing up for the fall, we're uh, bringing school supplies for our, our partner school, Fall Hamilton, and so um, I, I'm, I'm excited for today. Um, college students are about to go back or are going back. Um, football season is pretty much here, which makes a lot of us excited. Anybody else excited about that this morning? Today, we're, we're kicking off lots of programming in our church. Um, we have this ministry fair that if you look inside your bulletin, you'll see a list of all the different ministries and groups that are present there. If you're looking for a way to get plugged into Woodmont, we want you to go and, and do that. But our mission here as a church is growing disciples of Christ by seeking God, sharing love, and serving others. And so what that means is, we want you to worship regularly. We want you to pray, read your Bible, uh, join a small group, and then identify your spiritual gift or gifts and use them to give back and serve in this church or in this community. And I think that this will help you live a life of meaning and a life of purpose. And, and if you're looking for a church home this morning, if you're visiting and you're looking for a church home, we'd love to have you be a part of our church family here at Woodmont. There are blue cards in the pews. You can fill one out and we will be in touch with you. Today I'm starting a new sermon series focusing on the parables in Luke's gospel. We have spent most of the summer talking about this question, why does our world need Jesus? And today I'm going to be diving into Jesus's actual message. He taught in parables. And parables are short stories uh, that, that, that he told earthly stories that had heavenly meanings. And, and, and parables were the way that Jesus would clarify, even simplify, and sometimes even confuse the people that were listening about what the kingdom of God is all about. And so I want to encourage you to read and study these parables on your own. We're not gonna be able to get to all of them in this series. There are many parables in Luke's gospel, but I wanna encourage you between Sundays to read and study the parable that we talk about or the parable that's coming up. Next week, we'll be focused on the Good Samaritan. Uh, sometimes in life, we read these parables and the meaning is very clear. It's very clear what Jesus is trying to say, but sometimes we read these parables and the message is not clear. And I have found in my own life that if I read the same parable in my 30s, it speaks differently to me in my 40s, and I assume when I get to my 50s, the same thing. So sometimes the parables that we have known for a very long time will, will say something different to us at different stages of our lives. Today we're starting with the prodigal son. You know the story. The younger son comes to his father and asks for his share of the inheritance, and then he leaves for a distant country, squandering all of his wealth, living a life of debauchery and immorality. The Bible doesn't really go into detail about what that meant, but use your imagination, okay? He went away. He had a good time. He lost his money. The older son stays home, was loyal, 
remained faithful to his father by working very hard. And then one day when the younger son runs out of money, he finds himself with the job of feeding the pigs, which was below that of a servant. And it occurs to him, hey, I can go back to my father's house and work for him because even his servants are well fed and they live better than this. So the prodigal son returns home, not quite sure how he would be received. And and much to his surprise, his father welcomes him with open arms, forgives him, puts a robe on him, puts a ring on his finger, kills the fatted calf, which was apparently a really big deal back then, and throws a big party for his celebration. Well, the older son was out in the field, slaving away. He hears what's going on. He asks, what's happening? And they say, your, your brother has come back and, and your father has, has thrown a party for him. And, and so the, the father sees it, he's upset and he walks out and he says, come inside, come inside. And he said, no, for all these years I've slaved for you. I've been working for you. I've never disobeyed your command. And yet you've never thrown me a party quite like this. But when this son of yours who has devoured all of your property, who's been with prostitutes comes back, you throw him a big celebration. I just don't get it. And the father says to him, son, you're always with me and all that is mine is yours. But we had to celebrate and rejoice because this brother of yours was dead and he's come back to life. He was lost, but now he's been found. You know, it's always been amazing to me to look at at, at families, including my own, and to see how different the siblings can be. Same genetics, same parents, same upbringing, but very different personalities, very different results. It's fascinating, right? Parents can raise one child who grows up, does everything right, is respectful, listens, doesn't get into trouble, graduates from high school, goes on to the Ivy Leagues, takes a job in New York, and lives a very successful life. And then the younger child comes along, doesn't listen, is not respectful, hangs around friends who get them in trouble, sneaks out at night, tries drugs, gets arrested, needs to take some time off before going to college. Same parents. Same DNA, but very different outcomes. How does that happen? Or how about this one? Older daughter grows up in Nashville, conservative parents, does well in school, goes off to college, joins the young college Republicans, graduates, meets a nice conservative boy from Atlanta. They get married, raise children. But the other daughter gives her parents fits. Maybe she's not respectful. She never listens. She gets into trouble. Uh, She goes off to college in Vermont. She joins the Bernie Sanders campaign. She tells her parents what's wrong with the world and that they're what's wrong with the world. And she never wants to live in the South again. I'm generalizing this morning. I hope you understand. (laughs) Same parents, same DNA, two different outcomes. Today what I'd like to do is is talk to you a little bit about the concept of home. What is home? What what does it mean to find a home like this younger son and the prodigal son here? Uh, I um, have lived a lot of different places. I I, I left 
Memphis, Tennessee in, in August of 1998 to go to TCU. And I had four great years there. In the summers, I lived in Vail, Colorado, and I worked in the mountains and had fun there. From there, I went to Princeton Seminary, lived in New Jersey. I worked at a church in New York City. I had a long summer in Lausanne, Switzerland. Um, came back, finished seminary, graduated from Princeton. But then seven years later, I moved back home to my hometown, Memphis, Tennessee. Um, but things had changed a lot. My parents were divorced, my mom was very sick. I didn't feel like I'd come back to the same place that I left seven years before. But you know the places that felt like home? Fort Worth, Texas, Vail, Colorado, Princeton, New Jersey, New York City. And whenever I could go back to those places, I was very comfortable, it felt like home. Moved to Nashville, 2007, 15 years ago this month. Home became the Parsonage, that beautiful palace over here off of Woodmont Boulevard. Met Megan, we got married, we had our first two children in that, in that house. And then in March of 2016, when we were pregnant with Wade, we moved to the house where we live now and, and, and that became home. Nashville feels like home. What about you? As you think back on your life, what are the different places that you have called home? And how do you feel when you're there? What is it that makes a place feel like home? Three thoughts for you this morning. First of all, home is where you are loved and cared for no matter what. No matter what's happened, no matter where you've been, no matter what you've done, you know that you can go home and be loved. When the younger son in this parable made the decision to go back home, he had no idea how he was gonna respond, if they would respond or if he'd be welcome. Remember, he'd basically disowned his family, asked for his inheritance early. The father was glad to see him. He didn't know if his son was even alive. But when he saw him coming, he ran out, he, he hugged him, he put a robe on him and he threw a big party. When you come back home, you're always welcome. People are always glad to have you back. And what happens is the wonderful memories from your past are alive and well as you continue to live into the future. Secondly, home is where you feel like you can always be yourself. You don't have to put up a front. You don't have to pretend to be something that you're not. You know you're, you're going to be accepted. You're gonna be loved just as you are. Last Sunday, I mentioned that one of the big differences between the church and the 12-step programs um, is when people come to a 12-step program like AA or, uh, or others, they got nothing to hide. They are there because they are broken. Maybe they've hit bottom and they need support. They need community. We all have our stuff, everybody. And sometimes we need a place where we can just be ourselves and just get support. A lot of the ministry tables in the gathering hall and foyer of the chapel this morning are geared just for that. Everybody's been through pain. It's actually something that bonds us together as human beings. But when you find a place that feels like home, you feel like you can be exactly who you are. You know, too many people in our culture are fake. Too many people are two-faced. They're nice to your face, but they say things about you behind your back. And yet authenticity is what people are looking for and it's what they respect. You know, I want Woodmont to be an authentic church. 
a place where you know that you're welcome no matter what. There's no reason to hide your hurts, your pain, your fears, your questions, your doubts, your disappointments, because we all have them. We all experience them. And God sees it all and loves us anyway. This week, there was a guy that passed away by the name of Frederick Biegner. I'm curious, how many of you have heard of Frederick Biegner? He was 96 years old. And I was first introduced to Biegner when I was in seminary. And I started reading some of his books on top of my assigned books for class. That's how good it was. And the first book that I ever read of Biegner's was a book called Telling Secrets. And in that book, he talks about how we are to love our neighbors as ourselves. But he says this. Love yourself, not in some egocentric, self-serving sense, but love yourself the way you would love your friend in the sense of taking care of yourself, nourishing yourself, trying to understand, comfort, strengthen yourself. And this all starts with being yourself, I think. You know, many of us are really good at taking care of other people, being there for other people, but sometimes we don't take care of ourselves and the people that deserve our best. I recently heard somebody say that success in life is when the people that know you and love you the best are the ones who respect you the most. But if the people who know you the least respect you more than the people who know you the best, then that's a problem. Lastly, home is where you experience the presence of God and you don't have to live your life in fear. Think about the grace and mercy showed by the father in this parable. He was so thankful that his son came back. But compare that to the attitude of the older brother who was angry and resentful and entitled and upset. You know, when we experience home in our lives, we feel God's presence because we stop living in fear. We stop living afraid of what might happen next. Frederick Buechner says, listen to your life. See it for the fathomless mystery that it is in the boredom and the pain of it, no less than the excitement and the gladness. Touch, taste, smell your way to the holy and hidden heart of it. Because in the last analysis, in the final analysis, he says all moments are key moments and life itself is grace. How good are we? at living in the moment, enjoying the moment. You know, the last two years, there's been a lot of fear. It's been constant. The pandemic, politics, war, inflation, everybody's been afraid. And that's no way to live. Fear and anxiety will suck the joy out of our lives faster than anything else, but only if we let it, only if we choose to live that way. The Bible says that perfect love casts out fear. And so what I've concluded is, as long as we still have fear in our lives, then we always have more room to love. One of my mentors in ministry, a guy named Fred Craddock, he used to always say, afraid, 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 afraid. That's no way to live your life. As we kick off this fall season at our church, I really do hope and pray that this church will feel like a home for you matter what your background is, if you're new here, if you've been here for 30 years. I hope that you'll find 
this to be a place where you can experience love, where you can be yourself, where you don't have to live in fear, and where you can experience the transcending presence of God. And then you can go out and spread love and joy in this community. That's what all these tables are for this morning. Because as all of us, I would say, long for it, we long to experience that love and grace of God, and we all need it in our lives. And so no matter how far you might have drifted, remember that God is always ready with open arms to welcome you home. Amen.